This is System.Debug. Nailed it. Love nailed it, it nailed it. Did you play that live just now? Yeah, just, just now with my air guitar. I wish you had the guitar there, just They're doing things. over there on the wall. Yeah, you should have thought about it. You should have at least at least uh, air guitar it. You know, like wah, nah, 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 nah. what? What do you call it when you? It's not lip syncing. It's fake guitaring. Lip it's guitar. air guitar. Air guitar. But, yeah, but, but if you have a full guitar, but you actually have, you have a, guitar. a real guitar. Yeah, if you have a real guitar, but you're faking playing the guitar, guitar syncing. I think. Yeah, maybe. Sure, we'll call it that. I'm yeah. cool with it. It's flat out lying. You know, basically, like when I gig with my other band, I just turn my volume all the way down and play so nobody can hear me. <laughs> That's why we have two good guitar players, and then I'm just there to hold on to something. All right, so welcome to another episode of System.Debug. We are your hosts, Ryan Headley, RJ. Me. <laughs> and me, Ryan J. All right. Why, did you, why were you so hesitant to say my name? Because I can't remember your last name. name. I didn't know if you wanted me to say you're like, you know, Raymond Hill or just RJ. No. You don't want people to know your real name is Raymond? I don't care. They can, everybody that I know knows that that's my real name. It's just not the name that I use. Fair enough. (laughs) All right. So upcoming events. We have Tahoe Dreamin' January 20th through the 21st in South Lake Tahoe. I'm going I unfortunately will not make it, sadly. I wanted to go. I was almost there. Almost made yeah, it. I'm kidding. I'm um, you can still register at TahoeDreamin.com. Uh, they're going to have their keynote speaker is going to be Sarah Franklin. That was posted on their website. Um, and Sarah Franklin is. is. Oh, that's why I do it. There we go. There we go. Are you still Sarah looking? Franklin is the. SVP Developer Relations and GM at Trailhead, General Manager Trailhead at Salesforce. Um, she will be doing the keynote. It's going to be going on from 9 a.m. to 10:15 uh, at Tahoe Dreamin' 2017. Cool. That's right, South Lake Tahoe. So, so once again, go ahead. Uh, you can register on their site. Um, I believe registration is still open. Yes, I believe so. I heard, however, that they are running, starting to run low on the discounted hotel rooms. So, hooray, hooray, hooray. And at the same time, hooray, hooray, hooray. Yes, and hooray, hooray, hooray. Very good. So, uh, after that, once again in March, we are going to be having Southeast Dreamin'. That's March 30th through 31st in Atlanta. That you can go to southeastdreamin.com to find out more about. Uh, right now, they're doing a call to speakers as well as uh, looking for sponsors for the event. So that I will be at. Yes, I will be there as well. We'll both I be there doing a, a code consult, probably again, which does not mean that you pay us. Just, just as a, a fair warning, this does not mean that you pay us to code for you. You just come with questions, and we help you answer those questions for anyone who's listening. Which is it's nobody. True. Maybe Brian. Maybe maybe Ben Brantley. Possibly. <laughs> he's, possibly he's listening right now. He's like, I know that. I already know that. 
Um, other things that were announced recently, the uh, Trailhead X is also coming up. That's The actual dates have been announced, uh, June 28th through the 29th. Registration is not open yet. However, you can go to developer.salesforce.com slash trailheadx and send them your email and they will alert you when registration is open. Uh, that will be what is TrailheadX? What is what's so, that all about? What's the difference is, between that and Trailhead? Okay, well, TrailheadX is the Salesforce Developer Conference. So that's where you're going to meet and greet a whole bunch of really, really awesome developers and MVP developers, as well as some Salesforce execs. Uh, last year, they had Lenny Kravitz come and play, which was really, really awesome. They also had Apex in the Limits headline uh, at the keynote, which was really awesome. And anytime you can actually go and see Mark Benioff as well as Parker Harris shake hands on stage, um, that's epic. That's pretty cool. I thought that was one of the coolest moments of my career here uh, for conference going was to actually see both of them on stage at the same time. Um, coolest moment in my career so far, just to throw this in there, is uh, that time that Brian James had his name floating over his head in a live stream. So far. <laughs> so far. I hope it gets cooler than that. It, I don't know. Don't um, encourage him where he's going to be wearing the pirate hat and all that stuff here soon. I can get I know, right actually, before, right before we went he had a stupid off. cat face going on. He had like a drawing over his face. <laughs> I couldn't <laughs> Whatever turn, it, was. Uh, turn it off. I was playing with it. Anyway, um, but yeah, so Trailhead X is really cool. For those of you who don't know who Parker Harris was, uh, or is rather, he is the co-founder of Salesforce along with Mark Benioff. He doesn't get as much face time as Mark Benioff, but we appreciate everything he does just as much. Um, do we though? Oh yes, we do. Absolutely. <laughs> oh yeah. Uh, yes, we do. I don't know. I I can't say that I do. No offense, Parker. Sorry. <laughs> Way to go. He's never coming on this show. He's like these guys are. These guys are. This guy's This one guy. These other two guys. I love them. He's gonna send you guys like Christmas cards or something. He's gonna send me a. He's a coal. Be like burn this. This is your oven. Giant lightning bolts. That'd be pretty cool. Uh, other dates that have been announced. Uh, Midwest Dreamin', August 10th through the 11th. That'll be in Chicago, Illinois at the Navy Pier. Mm -hmm. um, it will okay. not be at Navy Pier this year. There is a new location, but I haven't found out where that is yet. Oh, okay. Well, then scratch that. It will not be at Navy Pier. However, it still will be in Chicago. Still will be Chicago, yes. Okay, cool. So it'll still be in Chicago, and it will be August 10th and the 11th. Uh, MidwestDreamin.com. Go there. Follow it. Find out more information. That's pretty cool. Uh, other announcements. MVP nominations. Make sure you get out there and nominate people in your uh, community who you think deserve to be recognized as valuable players in Salesforce's communities. Okay, So whether that's your user group leader or your mentor or anybody in the community that you feel has inspired you in some way or another, uh, you can go to salesforce.com slash MVP slash nominations. And Nailed it. Nailed it. Thanks. <laughs> I like that you got stuck on. You're like, Salesforce dot, Salesforce dot, uh, wait, it's coming to me. Salesforce.com? I think that's it. So real quick, uh, Parker Harris, going back to this guy, is his Twitter just at Parker Harris? I'm going to follow this guy. I'm going to see what's going I on with his, his life. I'm going to check him out. If you actually just like search for his name. Oh, yeah, yeah. Salesforce.com is on his thing. All right. You don't follow. think Parker Harris has like a hit squad, dude? Eh. I, I, I don't think so. No. Damn. <laughs> he's, <laughs> not, he's not as BJ wants me Twitter. to die. 
BJ actively <laughs> wants me to die. Parker's <laughs> not as active on Twitter as Mark is, um, but yeah, he's he's definitely got a a, a Twitter handle. I follow. All right. So back to the nominations. Nominate so, people. You can go to salesforce.com slash MVP slash nominations. And once again, just go ahead, nominate who you think may be uh, somebody important to you, it has inspired you in the Salesforce platform to do great things. Can and I nominate uh, myself? You can, I think. I suppose you could, but. I nominate myself. <laughs> what if, do I need my you full, do I need my it. government you name? You to fill out the form. Oh. You can't just be like, I nominate I myself. I see the, I put it on the screen so you, we can see the form. All right, well, here is the form. You have until January 13th at 5 p.m. PST or 8 p.m. Eastern time um, to nominate. So please go ahead and do that. That'd be great. Very much. All right. So All right. <laughs> of course he's making. Let me, let's. What's he doing? What's he doing over here? Hey, at least we don't have the floating Brian James title anymore. That seems to. Have That's right. I'm now I can figure away. out how to get this thinking thing off my screen. Oh, <gasps> wicked. All right. Cool. Next on the list. Is that, is that all the up and comings? Is that what we've got here? MVP nominations? Yeah. I think we're good. Yep. There. That's uh, everything that I'm aware of going on right now. Obviously, feel free to correct me. Send us links and make sure that we understand all the other events that are going on. Um, let us know when developer user groups are happening in your area so that we can also announce those to make sure attendance happens for you. I am not smart enough to understand. Well, maybe not smart enough uh, is not the right way to go about saying that. But I don't, I'm not as involved as you guys are in the Salesforce thing. So what happens, like, nomination happens, right? And then what happens, what's the, what's the process after nomination? Is it just like anything else? Nomination, people get voted, and then all of a sudden you're in the club? Or, like, what, what's the process? And then what happens afterwards? Like, do you get a trophy or a swag or are you just bestowed with this title and then you are, there are things expected of you? I'm serious. I, I mean, BJ's over here giggling like a schoolgirl, but I'm, I'm dead serious. I really don't know. Like, and of course, Ryan, you are a Salesforce MVP. So you know best out of the three of us, even though BJ's laughing like, he's like, <laughs> I know, I know exactly what happens. Uh, even though he's going that route with it. <laughs> I would like to know. I would like to know how it really how it really happens. What really goes down? Well, you are nominated, so that gets you on a list, right? So, yep. and then there there is definite review that happens. I don't know how much detail I'm actually allowed to go into of to who all's involved in those reviews and such, but there is a review process, um, and uh, you either either make it one round or you don't. Um, you you know you know in order to be in order to be uh, if you miss one one incoming class you can always be renominated again for the next incoming class etc like that so yeah there is there is a process and then you know um i i like to say that you know if once you've become an mvp i don't think that there's anything more expected of you because you're already doing plenty to have so become you, an mvp right you maintain is really what you 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 either maintain or or take it up a notch right right I suppose, okay I suppose you could look at it that way. Um, it's more of, you know, you just keep doing what you're doing, right? Um, and, and again, you're not doing it to maintain your MVP status. You're just doing it because we like to do it. Well, yeah, um, and that's what gets you there in the first – that's what gets you on the nomination list. In the first place, yeah. I'm assuming, yeah. So you get on the nomination list. 
you start doing your thing or you keep doing your thing rather you go through there's a review process of some sort and then they will select one two ten fifty or some random number of nominees that move on to the next round i guess or it's is not that even really around it's okay. it's just they, they either say yeah this person has you know would has what it takes uh to be an mvp we want them to be in the community or this person is up and coming maybe you know they're they may watch them or you know give them somebody to work with if they feel like hey you know we'd really love to have this person become an mvp but they're just you know not as available or something like that maybe they work with somebody to help them get that last little bit there or something like that but all right fair enough fair enough yeah all right so that's pretty cool that's pretty neat um and i think that kind of leads us in unless anybody else has anything to talk about in relation i just wanted to put it out there i i don't actually know the process i had this was all news to me too rj I know, Regardless but you're, you're giggling. You're like, well, I, mean, I, just, I just doesn't know anything about Salesforce. Oh, what a what a goon, huh? It was just well, a typical BJ stance. That was uppity. Okay. All right. So. Anyway, I think that leads us into kind of the next uh, topic, which is how the heck do you get to be a Salesforce developer at all to begin with? Like, where where do you go? Where do you start? What are you doing? Like, how does it work? And so BJ, Ryan, and I were talking about this uh, a little bit here and there. And, and Ryan and I have gone deeper into this kind of, you know, as, as far as like, oh, how do I like start branching out on my own and things like that. But anyway, the real first step, I think, to me at least, was getting into visual force. Mm-hmm. Anybody else feel the same way? Or was it Apex for you guys? Or Well, for me, I kind of had to attack it from both sides. Um, but I would definitely say that as far as transitioning happens, it's probably best to start with visual force. It's a lot easier. Because you can see the results immediately. It's in, it's in your face. You go, yes. you make a visual force page, you hit save. It's right there. Yeah. It's much more immediately gratifying. Yeah. You know, it also depends on, I guess, the kind of team you're working with too. If you've got apex developers on the back end that are creating stuff for you and saying, here's what I have for you. You can call these methods. You know, I suppose it depends on how custom you're, you're looking at. If you're using all just standard controllers and such, then yeah, it's just straight up visual force is fine. Um, but you know, if somebody like, uh, if you're just on your own, you spun up your first developer or you may need to create some apex in order to use that visual force page, et cetera. So um, I gotcha. Yeah. Yeah, which makes sense because if you're going to do some custom stuff, yeah, you need all the custom back end uh, yeah. to, to plug that custom front end into, of course. Yeah, and so for me, um, it actually wasn't Visual Force. For me, it was writing triggers. So I was learning the back end stuff first uh, because, you know, it's always clicks, not code. So I was learning the clicks part, and then I would take that as far as I could. And then I'd be working with uh, my supervisor at the time. Um, and I'd be like, okay, this is what I need to do. And he goes, yeah, you're going to need a trigger for that. So that's when I started writing the triggers and things like that. The the advantage I had is I had already been a developer for X number of years. So writing the trigger was easy. It's just, that was just starting to learn the ins and outs of, you know, don't do DML and loops and learning the limits and all that stuff. So, but yeah, so I think we're steering more towards visual force though for the, this topic right so i don't yeah. want to get too deep into the other side of things so well, i just wanted to get everyone's kind of take because i know that there are different ways into pretty much any kind of language that you're trying to get into you could you know you start spinning up little things here and there oh yeah i want to get into i want to get into html i want to get into web dev i want to get into salesforce dev i want to get into this i want to get into that 
there's a lot of different ways that you can, there's a lot of different entry points, I should say, for those things. And for this one, um, I kind of got thrown into it full force. It was all or nothing kind of for me. But I know that other people who are taking their time can probably enter at any of, you know, they can start on the back end if that's where they're comfortable with. Mm-hmm. But yeah, again, this what we're talking about here is how to transition yourself uh, or how to position yourself such that you can make the transition uh, and do a nice little pivot from you're in your HTML right now, you're doing your web dev right now, you've got your JavaScript, all that great stuff. And how do you whoop, put yourself over into Salesforce? And Visual Force was, of course, the first thing that came up. So BJ, you want to shed some light on that or Ryan, either of you guys want to throw sure. some, some, uh, some stuff in there. Sure. So, uh, Salesforce defines visual force, um, as visual force is the component based user interface framework for the force.com platform. The framework includes a tag based markup language, similar to HTML tag corresponds to a course of or fine grained user interface component such as a section of a page or a field. Visual Force boasts about 100 built-in components and a mechanism whereby developers can create their own components. And that's basically saying that, for the most part, you have a lot of uh, very custom Apex tags that work right alongside HTML in order to build a much more dynamic experience. Um, whether it comes from displaying data, saving data, or interfacing with that data. Um, Visual Force allows you to access the records in your database more streamlined without having to write a whole bunch of extra MVC kind of logic in order to make that happen. Okay. So the way way that I was thrown into this was uh, here's what you get. Visual Force HTML, Apex, Java, Go, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and as it turns out, you can actually just put HTML in a Visual Force page, and it will work. Um, you can just throw JavaScript into that Visual Force page, and that will also just work. Um, you do need a little bit extra on the front end, as far as I know, because you got to wrap everything in an uh, in the uh, Apex tag, right? The page tag, mm-hmm. right. right? Right, yeah. So that's that's one kind of caveat. You got to throw it in the Apex page tag, and then the Apex page tag is going to ask you for a couple different things. Um, what are our, what are the requirements? You guys know offhand for the Apex page tag, the uh, the required attributes, the required properties on there. There are zero required properties. Okay, that so you can just do Apex page, mm-hmm. yeah, flat out. Okay, cool. But the more common ones, I would have to say, are probably uh, the controller and standard controller. Almost mm-hmm. every time I create a Visual Force page, I'm using one or the other. Typically, as you go on, you're going to use more and more Apex in your development. And so you're going to end up using controllers in almost all of your code. Uh, however, they're completely not necessary. You can create all sorts of pages uh, without using a single controller or line of Apex code in order to get you there. Um, mm-hmm. So it's really versatile like that. Uh, you are correct that you can use all sorts of HTML and JavaScript, CSS, and all that kind of stuff in it in order to work with that data. But there's a lot of times where JavaScript just kind of becomes bulky or your CSS isn't going to look Salesforce-y enough. So you kind of 
you know, balance it between all of the what times. <laughs> if you put all your JavaScript in the same HTML or Visual Force page, I guess I should say, it's gonna it's gonna get bulky uh, immediately. Immediately bulky. Mm-hmm. If you have more than like 10 lines of JavaScript, it's just blop. Um, but yeah, all right, that's awesome. I didn't, again, kind of uh, going back at what you said, I've never made a Visual Force page without a controller. So at that point, like, I've never, that's why I thought there were some required ones. I thought maybe the controller was required. Um, mm-hmm. I know you can, I use content type a lot for uh, for my pages because I'm always changing it to display JSON and things like that. Um, well, and content type's really cool because of the fact that when you're using that content type, beyond just the application slash Java XML or whatever, or JavaScript uh, f- content type, you also have Word and Excel content types, you have PDFs, um, and that actually really helps when it comes to, say, displaying data and, and allowing it to be a downloadable format that's then easy to read. I've done it plenty of times where I've created whole Visual Force pages that upon rendering, you can actually download it as a Word document or download it as a styled PDF that's dynamic with the data that you're pushing from certain contracts. So if you're setting up SOWs or you're setting up contracts or anything like that, you can actually have that PDF automatically generated from lead information or, or any other S object you're looking at. But that gets, once again, into the more advanced side of Visual Force and Apex, so we're not going to really probably tackle that this evening. However, yeah. uh, I do have a couple of examples of really simple Visual Force pages that I can share. All right, you want to pull those up? Sure. Demo time. We need demo a for demo time. time. <laughs> demo time. <laughs> demo time. We can get a dancing BJ on the screen to like kind of like come across. Do, 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 do. Dance he comes across. out and get a load. Yeah, put his head on something that's wiggly. There we go. <laughs> Bobblehead BJ. <laughs> BJ Bobbles. All right. So we've got a really basic Visual Force page here. As you can see, it's very, very limited amount of code. Okay. Most of this is actually all pulling off of the exact same query that I've got in my Apex controller. And I did that just to display data. Um, and, and what that controller looks like is just simply a public get set for a list of accounts where I'm creating a list, selecting the name, the annual revenue, and the owner ID from the account. So nothing seriously fancy at all or complicated in the Apex script. And I'm just using it so that I can uh, display a couple of examples on our front end page in our visual force. Uh, Some things you'll notice here, instead of divs, I'm actually using page block, uh, Apex page blocks, as well as Apex page block sections. And one of the neat factors about this is that when you add things like tab styling, the page blocks and the page block sections will take on the appearance of the native Salesforce tab styling for that S object. So if it's an account or a contact, you can put the tab style up here so that your Visual Force page is actually styled just like that, and the colors match and icons match. Um, it makes it a lot so everything, easier. Everything will match the essentially what, what your current interface looks like is what the interface of this will look like is what you're saying, right? Exactly, and that makes it easier already because you're eliminating a whole set of CSS. Yeah, now uh, you don't have to style it. Now you just leave it as is, and you you throw that in the in the bucket with well, uh, somebody else is going to have to style that because yeah, exactly. it goes with our current styling. Um, now we do have a couple of different examples here of DHTML 
that's dynamic HTML. A lot of times you'd be using jQuery or JavaScript in order to handle this. Uh, and that's basically just propagating extra divs or table rows or anything like that that you would put onto the page from JavaScript that would just be dynamically generated based on either user input or records from your database. In our instance, all we have to do is use a Apex page block table or an Apex repeat in order to achieve that. Now, you can see that with an Apex repeat, we're able to do a much cleaner dynamic HTML. However, we're not going to have any styling on that. The page block table will go ahead and style itself in order to match the tab style of the rest of the page. So that might be something that you're considering if you're using something like Bootstrap and you want to style your own tables to look much more uh, unique or so modern. So you're going to have to come in there and build out something custom uh, in order to get the new styling, the Bootstrap styling, correct? Exactly. You'd have to have a static resource reference or a reference to the actual uh, resource out on Google hosted gotcha. libraries or whatever. Um, okay. But that is an option. It's faster than DHTML. You're not writing a whole bunch of extra JavaScript. All you're doing is repeating the, a list from your JavaScript or from your Apex controller. Um, one of the other really cool things is that using an Apex list view, we're able to generate an entire list of accounts based off of what your typical account page, landing page, looks like with all of its views. And all these I'm going to show you here. Um, so right here, we actually have that first page block table that I had done. You'll notice that one of the really cool things about using the owner ID as one of the columns that we've presented is it automatically created a link to my user for it. And so I can. Yeah, very nice. Because a lot of people are going to want that. Exactly. Mm -hmm. and, I, and I don't have to, I didn't do any extra coding for it or anything like that. I just simply uh, asked that my account owner ID gets entered as a column. And it was the same for the annual revenue as well as the account name. And one of the other really cool features that you'll notice is it did all of the formatting on this currency for me. So commas, dollar symbols based on my currency choice. Um, and, and the Apex output field will automatically change all that. So you're not messing with UTC style time zones you're not, or, or timestamps. You're not dealing with... Um, you know, just large strings of numbers that aren't formatted. It, it makes it a lot easier to read. Yeah. However, so, you'll so what you're saying is that Salesforce does all the generic -y kind of uh, changes for you, all the generic -y format -y stuff for you. Exactly. However, when we used, this is our second one here, using our Apex repeat, where I wasn't using output fields. Instead, I was just putting the information in there to loop through it. Mm -hmm. and, and you'll notice none of those are formatted. These are not links. This is not... Uh, converted to be a readable format for currency. So that's something else that you're going to need to pay attention to when you're making those decisions. And that's just the repeat. Exactly. Gotcha. Um, the list views, which I put on there, you can see that with just this one single line of code, list views type equals account, all of this gets generated on your page. And I can now swap to any of these different uh, views that I've got set up in my standard Salesforce page um, and, and all that kind of stuff, which is really you know, neat that it makes it that easy. A one single line of code and I'm already putting all this information out there. And you can do enhanced lists where you're only displaying a single view, making it non-editable so that you can actually display a certain filtered amount of information 
Once again, no Apex code required, which is really neat about Visual Force. Um, and then the last thing I he have here is for input. All of that stuff, obviously, was for output. However, input, you also don't need any Apex for if you want to do something simple. By having a standard controller on our page of account, I'm able to actually access that uh, information in order to save it. So because I have a standard controller of account, I can type in you know, RJ Hill as an account name with an annual revenue of a lot more than he deserves. Um, that's some serious money <laughs> right there. That's, that's some Bill Gates money. And you'll see that I've actually populated him right here, RJ Hill. There I am. Yay. Where's my, um, uh, where's my money? Where's my is, money? You can see, you know, obviously I haven't changed my time zone. But there's this revenue. And all of that's like real quick stuff. You know, that's saving it. This Even the save button is handled um, with native Visual Force pages. I'm not even doing anything that's like crazy. All right. So for anyone who's not familiar with the platform at all, uh, can we just go to the traditional accounts page so we can show them uh, the comparison between the one that you had that uses the accounts page format uh, and the actual accounts page or the accounts display page, the accounts view page, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, absolutely. <clears throat> okay, so I'm going to switch back to classic here. Because I know this is a thing, but I'm not sure how many other people would know that that's a thing, you know? Right. Man, you got so many friggin' accounts, dude. Yeah, so while he's pulling that up, too, I mean, uh, he's kind of alluding to it, like, with the list views. One of the things we do all the time is you'll get a client that says, well, we want to just add this one extra piece of functionality on the page. And they want it to look just like the regular accounts page, but there'll be something else that they want on there that would require you to then bump into Visual Force to do it. You can do, like, what is it? That I think it's Apex Detail View, and then you can literally bring over the view of any one of the standard objects or even custom objects, the view page of that and embed that right into visual force with that one line of code and then go ahead and add your extra stuff underneath that. If you wanted to, it's all, mm -hmm. it's all pretty cool. We used, I used to do that a lot. And, you know, uh, one of the things that tripped me up when I was first starting was the fact that when you do it that way, you can still control where the fields appear on the page layout through the regular standard page layout editor when you bring it over that way. So, that's actually what I was going to ask too. I didn't know if the layout editor that she used for the standard uh, page layout would affect this, but now that you said it, yeah. So that's it uh, does. It does when you bring it over as just the the detail view, like that one line. I think it, I can't even remember because I rarely use it anymore. But like Apex. Are you talking about like a view. single view? Just like a single view, not a whole. Correct. I'm not talking about your list views. Oh, so the list view doesn't is not affected. I'm not talking about the list view in this case. I'm literally, okay. when you build a visual force page, you can build a page block section or, or not a page block section, but you can add a, uh, an apex detail. I thought it was detail view. I can't remember the name of it off. And you give it the name of the object and it will go and grab everything the whole that user is able to see right from the regular page layout and bring it in and the visual force page. And then you can add your extra stuff below that if you wanted to. Gotcha. gotcha. Say they Once again, no apex. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And with no apex, it pulls it over. It's, 
I ran across that issue one time before where there was stuff I needed to add and move around on the page layout. And I went into the visual force page and I'm like, I don't even see those fields. And then I realized they were using that detail view. And then I said, Oh, so I wonder if I can really control that from the, from the standard page layout. So sure enough, I could move them around there. There it was. Yeah. <laughs> well, that was something that tripped really, me up in the beginning. <laughs> something else that's kind of uh, cool about visual forces components instead of, you having to build out, say, templates using uh, jQuery UI or other things where you've got all of this information stored at the bottom of your page, but it's only stored there. Mm -hmm. Salesforce allows us to actually have Apex or Visual Force components that we can actually just tack on. So, for instance, in our original page I was just showing you, down here, this is just the system.debug component demo. All right, and that is simply a component that consists of an iframe. And that iframe goes like is displaying a visual force. But this right here is that whole component. Okay, so I was able to program that off to one side, but now I could actually add this component onto any visual force page that I have in my org in order to quickly generate an account. And so then, you can have it on anything. You can have it essentially, let's say you have uh you have a page where you go and you look at some uh, some leads, right? And you don't necessarily want to generate an account from the lead, but maybe there's something else on that lead that you want to throw into an account. Like maybe there's, right. I don't know, some, some other junk in there and you're like, oh, I can build an account off of this, but it's not the full lead. You can throw that on the leads page and you can say, all right, well now anytime I'm on a lead, I can look and I can say, oh, I need to do an account or some, some such thing from that. Plug in your exactly. Visual Force component and then just go. And now exactly. it's there on all of them. Right. And, and that's as simple as even uh, just creating another Visual Force page with a standard controller for lead, putting this component in there, and then you can just create a new section on a page layout and drop that Visual Force page directly onto the leads page layout. And now you could automatically be generating an account from any lead that you go to by typing in relevant information and clicking save. So, nice. A component can really, really help uh, build faster software for you later on. Yeah, I mean, right, another so thing you could do, you could build a maps component inside of that and map just about it. <laughs> map anything. Map just about <laughs> anything on any of the pages, right? Or, you know, what, what we actually did for a client in the past was we overwrote the history area. Um, so we threw it all on a visual force page, but then we gave them also related object history. So we had opportunity in certain objects that, needed to be related to that opportunity and they wanted to track the history a very high level history of those items we could throw it on that page and then so in our hosting visual force page we said you know our main object is opportunity our related list should be x y and z and process it so if we wanted to we could have done the same thing with account and said oh they also want to track stuff like this at the account level now okay now we're going to pass the account object in and all of its opportunities etc and you could kind of nest the component that way so that would any page you could have um, that special component that we wrote render its related object history if you wanted to. So it was, it was cool. Components I like, which is why I like Lightning, even though this is not what this is about, because it's the same kind of thought process. But it's the same kind of thought process as a Visual Force page at mm -hmm. the base level, right? Right, right, right. Yeah, so I mean, that's a good way to tie it in. And if you wanted to, I, I would imagine you probably get started um, building components rather than Visual Force pages. If, if you really wanted to. 
you know, that's another entry. That's just another entry point to uh, Salesforce development. Yeah. I could see that. Yeah. I mean, there's the, the problem is that there are too many entry points. There's no, there's no lack of entry points to Salesforce. You can start with the triggers. I think, I think that's what David Todd said in, uh, in his talk that he gave for our user group, right, BJ? That he started with triggers too. Yeah, I know I Ryan so. said that he started with triggers, but I think David Todd also started with triggers. Um, so there's, there's, like I said, tons of different entry points. Um, so now what happens, my question is, what happens with the people who are very, very, very into um, the HTML? They're like smothered in HTML, smothered in CSS, smothered in JavaScript. They've got all that knowledge. It's all rattling around their brains. And now they want to step into this, right? So they've got their HTML pages. They can copy paste it over inside of an Apex page tag. They can start trimming it up, start doing their like repeats. What are some things that cross over, I guess is, is my question. What are some things that cross over between the HTML and the visual force? Are there any, are there any kind of uh, crossovers? Or is it all just this points to that kind of situation? Because like an Apex, like the repeat, is just a JavaScript for loop with some HTML inside of it. Right. If we're if we're talking about transitions, right? But is there anything that carries over that you're going to keep the same? Like, let's just say, for instance, your uh, uh, all the stuff in in the head, right? All your right. CSS links and stuff like that. Do those carry over, or how can you? How would you go about doing something like that? How would you go about? Let's just start there. How would you go about linking a CSS file? Well, once again, you actually have two different options in order to do that. You can link directly to a Salesforce site like you typically would. Um, or not a Salesforce site, rather, I apologize. But a CSS script like you typically would using a link tag. Um, or you could use, or not a link tag, I'm sorry, style sheet. However, you could also use um, like static an Apex resource. static resource. Right. And, and, and access it that way. And it's the same with your JavaScript. And as well as that, like as far as your head goes and everything that you're putting up there, you can still type CSS in full blocks and manipulate the page with it. You can still do your JavaScript. There are some slight annoyances, such as when you're accessing IDs, because of the way that Salesforce kind of builds the IDs out, a lot of times it, it looks more as they I know what you're talking about. Yeah, the, all the IDs on the objects themselves, all the IDs on the tags are auto-generated, so they look incredibly janky. They look all kinds of crazy. Mm -hmm. exactly. There's like EF0 dot, you know, this, that, the other thing. There's all kinds of dashes and dots and crazy stuff in there. Um, so those those do look crazy, and accessing those, I've had some issues with that in the past, actually. You um, actually have to write a regular expression using uh, JavaScript in order to access that. And a lot of times what you're gonna do is, is kind of use a regular expression to find out if the very end element of that ID equals the ID that you put on that page element. Yes. If so, then you can actually access it. And that can be kind of finagly and, and wonky at times too, which is, you know, it's annoying. However, some of the cool things about JavaScript is that you can actually load uh, JSON strings from your Apex class into Visual Force via your JavaScript tag. And, and so if you're loading a whole thing of JSON, 
Um, obviously, JavaScript's going to manipulate that information a lot easier than sales forces or visual forces. So that would be one of the reasons why you might use JavaScript. Also, with CSS3, you have a whole bunch of dynamic CSS stuff that Salesforce won't do for you necessarily natively. So you might use CSS for some styling attributes, and you might also use JavaScript in order to be able to sort your table if you're not using certain other functionalities. Okay. I mean, that makes a lot of sense, too, because when you're, when you're touching these things, you, you're going to want to do everything kind of natively. You're not going to take out uh, an Apex method. I mean, you don't get me wrong. This can be done, uh, but you're not going to use, for the most part, an Apex method and call it with the JavaScript. You can do it, but you're not going to, for the most part. You know what I'm talking about? The, uh, what's with it remoting? Yeah the, yeah, the virtual remote or whatever it's called. Remote. Right. However, you, you will build use JavaScript inside of your um, action functions because action functions on VisualForce actually are JavaScript functions that you are then using to call Apex classes. And a lot of times, you can use your JavaScript to call that action function. Since it's not displayed on the screen, it's just uh, hidden text in the yeah. background. Mm -hmm. um, you can use your JavaScript that if somebody inputs something here, it's going to call an action function, which will then pass a specific parameter to your Apex class. So there are certain things that make it a lot easier to pass and or send and receive information to and from Apex. Yeah, I call okay. Apex methods all the time through JavaScript and action functions and things like that. Yeah, it, it, okay. particularly it's for the more dynamic pages. You know, they select this pick list, and now you need to show this form or that form or whatever right on that same page, or update some other values that may not be a pick list from your object, right? I gotcha. It's so, a pick list from somewhere else. Maybe you've stored perhaps. it elsewhere. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. gotcha. Or maybe it's a uh, not even dynamic. Maybe the pick list itself isn't dynamic. Maybe you just have that kind of like hard coded elsewhere float. Yeah. Okay, I gotcha. I wasn't aware of that. I thought that there was kind of like a streak. Like I knew that you could do it, but the way that it looked uh, from my point of view was like, that's a no-no. You probably shouldn't do that. You should probably use your Apex to get your Apex. Use your visual force and the way that it's set up to kind of roll through your Apex and grab all the stuff from Apex and pull it over and do something with it that way. But yeah, I've, I've seen the, the remote stuff before and the actions before. I just never... I thought they were kind of like, you know, <laughs> secret, like hidden, like, oh, don't do that. Yeah. No, no, that's not hidden. It's, it's. I mean, it, uh, I, I know a lot of people that use it. I know that every time I do it, I wrestle with it for a lot longer than I should to get it right. But, um, but yeah, I do, I do use it quite a lot. And then I do like the, the visual remoting too. I mean, or the, the remoting I think is kind of sweet as well. And if I want, I want to say, when I was first, like when they first started talking about lightning and how, or not lightning, maybe it was lightning design system. I can't remember. Uh, but I was uh, trying pages in strict HTML5 and then using remoting to call back and populate fields there. Um, oh, okay. Uh, I but I haven't messed with that in a long time now. I did have a working demo of it, but yeah. That's interesting. I mean, you can... You could probably do that a number of ways. You could probably do that with like an Ajax call. You could do that with yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah. You could do that with a bunch of crazy things. Yeah, it, it was it wasn't fun, and I, and I did it because I could. Um, and we had a client that you know 
they didn't want a lot of that styling and a lot of the stuff that was from Salesforce. So I didn't have to worry about it. And I'm like, you know, if you guys let me do this in HTML5, it's going to be a lot easier and a lot prettier. And <laughs> It's going to work out for you. It's going to work out better for you. I got gotcha. you. Um, all right. So that's, that's pretty cool. That's an, uh, kind of some information to take in there. So now, uh, we're, we're still... we will provide links um, to where you can go and find out the different Visual Force components and you can actually go ahead and test them on your own. Uh, Salesforce does have a site or, or a single page and it's, it's a developer site in order to, you know, kind of check them all out, run through them, test them. Documentation. It, it, it helps. It makes your job a lot easier later when you're trying to figure out what's that one perfect thing and you go back and reference it. So we'll make sure that we have a link below. Um, as well as our website, which is now up and running, system.debug.com. <laughs> I thought you were going to forget what the website was. I thought you were <laughs> yeah, about to get stuck. Like, uh, the uh, uh, the uh, website. One uh, um, I know there's three three letters at the beginning. I forget what W. So www.system.debug.com. Uh, we also have a link on the main page there to our podcast. You can view videos from previous recordings there as well, as well as uh, listen to the audio directly on the site with little bios from each of us as well. Links and it's to our system blogs, debug, system.debug spelled out. S-Y-S-T-E-M-D-O-T-D-E-B-U-G. There's no actual dot in the middle. Right. Just FYI. You can also tune in two weeks from tonight. 7.30 EST, 6.30 CST. On You're not going to mention any other time zones? No, we can do the math from there. <laughs> January 16th. Um, we're going to be talking about the uh, limits class in Apex. Very important for those of you working for ISVs or other companies who are planning to put an app out onto the app exchange or huge amounts of data that you're constantly running into lots and lots of errors on. We're going to cover out... Um, an overview of the Apex Limits class and how you can kind of check to make sure that you're not going to hit those limits. And if you do, maybe some customer exceptions. So See, that's really cool because I've never messed with that. And so I'm even looking forward to uh, to that one there. I'm going to have to do well, you've some You've seen them plenty of times, right? Huh? You, you've hit your SQL limit. You've hit your... Dude, never. You've never had a CPU time. It's impossible to hit a SQL limit, man. Impossible. No, I've... I've I've discovered a number of limits, so yes. <laughs> Apex. And, oh, and I am a limit personally, but that's you know, that's a side note. So shameless self promotion. So that that'll be January sixteenth. Remember to tune in. We'll be going live. Um, if you like the video this evening, make sure you like it. If you want to subscribe, please subscribe. If you don't like it, give us a huge the like button. massive no not clicking a big old give no, us a big do old thumbs down Just if you didn't like don't it. Click like. I mean, that's not fair, man. You know, you gotta hear, gotta hear both sides. I want to hear both sides. You gotta hear both sides. If we're trash, tell us we're trash. Let us know. Um, so let's wrap up. We got thirteen-ish minutes left. Lucky number thirteen. So let's. Uh, what can we talk about to kind of wrap all this together? Um, what kind of ties all the Visual Force stuff together, and what can we give to these people? Is one, maybe two people who are listening, tops. Uh, what can we give to them that they can kind of uh, use as a springboard into uh, Salesforce development? 
as always, Trailhead, right? I mean, yeah, that's that that that's the no brainer. Um, but I'm not quite sure that's what you're asking. Um, well, Trailhead is always a good start, but it's again, it's kind of in that same vein where like, okay, here's Trailhead, here's real life, and then you have there's a there's a little bit in the middle that gets sort of lost, not necessarily right. completely lost, but there's always a couple little things that you don't get in the trailhead that you still need in, in real life. You know, so like, Oh, here's, here's a good one. I'll throw this out there. Cause I ran into this when I first started. Um, if you go in and you make a change, if let's say you, you're, you're fully into this thing, you're, you're building a, a, a visual force page and you're building the apex back end and you're going nuts. Bah, 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 bah. You're doing all your stuff. You got all kinds of crazy variables, all kinds of crazy public stuff out there. If you go rename something in your uh, Apex class and then subsequently you rename it uh, in your Visual Force page without saving the Apex class first, it's going to shoot you down. And then if you try to save it in the Apex first, it's going to shoot you down because you just caught yourself in a little loop. So what you have mm-hmm. to do is make a new variable with the new name, save your Apex class, go into your Visual Force page, rename it, save that, then go back into your Apex, take the old one out. Always get caught in that. I always use, I get caught in that all the time. I still get caught in that all the time. Like, oh, yeah. get caught in that. That's like yeah. a very common thing. Well, it is, but nobody there's no like, nobody throws that out there. It's just like, hey man, this is this is what's gonna happen to you. How how common is that? Because I don't think I've ever had that happen. <laughs> You're not renaming enough save. variables. You're not renaming enough variables. That's the problem here. Everything you yeah, write that, is perfect. That's the MVP I was just status. Say my, my code must be perfect the first time through. Right. <laughs> or you're okay Absolutely. with your variable names. You're not naming things like A. <laughs> yeah. Well, okay, so from from my end and my from my end of things, um, start simple, right? But I am very explicit. Like if you read my code coming from the Python world, which kind of encourages a bit of being explicit, I, I'm very verbose and explicit with my variable names and everything. Um, so I won't just say A, you know, if I'm working with an account, I'll say account or maybe ACCT or my account or something like that. Or if I'm introducing a new variable and somebody coming along behind me five years from now, they don't want to see what A is. They want to know what it is. So I, I don't have any problem uh, having longer variable names and things like that. It doesn't bother me to type that over and over again. My my code editor puts it in place for me anyway. So, yeah, um, I for me, it starts simple, be verbose, be explicit, find a simple problem to and go and do that and just learn as you go if you have that opportunity. Otherwise, um, find a mentor that can, you know, kind of push you in the right direction. Um, well, getting on the developer forum, the developer forum will always uh, have a lot of answers. And a lot of times if you're Googling the question, typically Stack Exchange, Salesforce's Stack Exchange or Salesforce's developer forum are going to be one of the two end results of Googling. Um, yes. yeah. That being said, Ryan, the times that I find myself uh, hung up in that kind of annoying loop is when I'm adding additions to the page, I've decided, oh, okay, and I start writing all of my really wicked visual force code, and then all of a sudden I realize, oh, I'm gonna put a variable in the back end called this. And so I put my little merge field or expression field inside of it, and I click save, and it says, oh, 
that's not a thing in your Apex class. And you go, oh, well, don't worry, I'm going to go make it a thing. So then you go over to your Apex page and you go try to edit it and create this new variable, like which is what I believe RJ is kind of getting at, is that you then you go to create this variable that hadn't existed before um, in order to save the visual force page. You go to save the Apex class, and now the Apex class is pooping on you because there's code in your visual force page that doesn't even make any sense. And you're yelling at it going, I'm trying to make it make sense. You're the jerk who doesn't understand. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's one thing. Uh, when I prototype, I prototype fast. So I'm running through things like uh, public account A gets set, uh, public account B gets it. You know, like I'm doing different things. Maybe I'm comparing accounts, lists of accounts for whatever reason, whatever dumb reason. But I'm just throwing, I'm throwing things in there. So it is on me. That is my fault. But for people who do prototype real fast just to get something done, and then go back through and make changes with like a find and replace and things of that nature. Um, they're they're going to get caught in this loop, like I do, constantly. Gotcha. Yeah. The only time I use like the smaller variable names and things like that. I mean, this is still I'm still back on the I I'm explicit. Um, is like in the for loops when I'm for account A in accounts, right? Then yeah. then I'll use those one because it's usually within five lines and you can look and see what's A. But if I've got this huge class and I'm referring to something called A that I did way up top and now I'm down at the bottom, I don't know what the hell A is anymore. So yeah, yeah. I always try to, to be more explicit in that way. But yeah. Definitely uh, shout out to all the people who are explicit all of the time. That's <laughs> a hard thing to be. <laughs> because of the laziness, the inherent laziness of developers. What about character limits? I, I mean, mean short variable names because of character limits. Are you, you talking about that? that short? Are you talking about the, the, the 80 wide or are you talking about the system limit? Like you can't have X number of characters in your code or whatever. System limit. And believe me when I say we have hit it. I have never even come close. It is a no, nightmare when you go to try to create one more Apex class and it, and Salesforce says, nope. Well, it's even more of a nightmare when you don't realize that those limits exist and you're like, oh, yeah, I mean, it's just Salesforce. So obviously, you can make more classes whenever the heck you want. And then it kind of it fails and not silently, but it doesn't it's not as verbose as it needs to be. And you're like, what am I doing wrong here? Why can't I add another thing? Oh, man, why is I can't, I can't add more classes. I can't add another line of code. What, like, what is happening here? And then you go to that page, that like nice, uh, what do you call it? Page where all the limits are mm -hmm. on your thing. What is that called? I, I forgot. Are you talking about the the customer profile? Oh it's yeah, got, yeah. It's got like all the bars on it and stuff, and it tells you like <laughs> what what percentage. It's like nah, 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 nah. oh, you've hit a hundred. It told me one time that I hit a hundred and five percent of my limit. And I was like, how's that even possible that I got over a hundred? You should just stop me at a hundred, man. I forgot what it was. It was something. It was something goofy, but it was like, yeah, you hit one hundred five percent of your limit. I was like, that's not real. Stop me at a hundred next time. Maybe I've just never. Maybe I've just not been around long enough. But I, I haven't even run into an org that's even close to that limit yet. That's we've crazy. got. Oh man. Anyway, maybe, maybe it's maybe it happens more in the ISV world where you're like, you're actually creating products and stuff. I don't, I don't know. I've just, I have. Well, and a lot of times what happens is that you're constantly to uh, RJ's point is going, oh, I'm just going to write this really quick page real quick or this really quick apex class. And you've got, you know, so many developers that have gone into the main 
org and have done this for little minor reasons. It's it's never going to be included in the software. I'm just testing something else. Right. And then you often realize that 60% of your code is garbage code. Yeah. And you have no idea what use it was at any point. <laughs> where'd, it, where'd it come from? Where's it going? What does it do? Yeah. Oh, uh, yeah, yeah. We're going to get rid of that later. That doesn't do yeah. anything right now. We don't use that anymore. That's deprecated. We don't use it. That blows me away. I, I, <laughs> one of these days, I'm sure I'll run into it. I'm sure I'll find it. But yeah, I, I, haven't, I haven't run into that yet. So that's... The issue was is that we started with very few developers and then we got real big real fast. Right. Uh, and we didn't have the infrastructure to handle that growth. At the moment, we do now. We're doing mm -hmm. fabulous now. Um, but at that, at that time, we didn't have the infrastructure and it was just like, oh man, I got to do this thing over here that does X, Y, Z. Uh, I don't have the time to figure out if somebody else created the X, Y, Z thing. You know, and there was, right. there was not a lot of asking. So now we're like, we're telling people in the interviews, we're like, yo, 15 minutes, can't find it. Ask us like tops 15 minutes. Come talk to well, him. And that's actually, that's one of my professors told me, um, he used to harp on it was that don't spend more than 10 minutes because when you're working at this level, um, and they're paying, you know, a developer's wages, every minute freaking costs. And so oh, yeah. if Wait, you're you going to the developer's wage, well, I'm just saying that if you're, you know, Googling what the average wage is, whatever it is, they're paying you. And if you're spending a half an hour or 45 minutes looking for an answer that somebody already had for you and you should be 35 minutes farther along in your project than you are, yeah. like he always made it very, very clear. You need to ask 10 minutes is a very long time to not yeah. know an answer. Yeah. 10 minutes is nearly infinity. The trick is having that senior developer not be standoffish when you ask them, right? <laughs> I've, yeah. I've seen that. And that, yeah, that, that, that scares people from asking, which, you know, so, so my call out is to those senior developers that tend to get asked the questions, be nice. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> They're asking for a reason. Exactly. Yeah. They, they want to do a good job, you know. Yeah. Um, they want to take check, work off of your shoulders, it. man. They want to take a little bit from what you're doing and take it upon themselves. It's going to help you in the long run, Mr. Yeah. Lone Wolf developer. I agree. All righty. Um, so we got two minutes left. Anything you guys want to talk about? Make sure to follow us all on Twitter. Yes. All of our Twitters are on our web page, so you can just That's go right. to our web page and check that out. Click all the, the buttons. Account. All the right. buttons. All the buttons. Every of the buttons. Yeah. And the main account is twitter.com system.debug, right? That's right. And then we have email address, systemdot.debug at uh, gmail.com. Yeah, That's if right. you want to ask us any questions, uh, yeah. there's some crazy emails, we will get back to you. As pictures as of your favorite hats to RJ. Favorite hats? I, don't know, I just want you to get junk mail. You want me to? I wouldn't be getting the junk mail. You handle the email account. So, oh my God, dude, thanks just like everybody. Let's <laughs> wrap this up before I have to make fun of you. We we can fix that with a filter and a forward rule. Can we, can we fix BJ with a with a filter Burn. and a forward rule? <laughs> Jeez. All right. all right. Thank you, everybody. Yes. Thank you all. Are you going to play us out? 
I'm gonna play us out. Here we go. Let's do this. Oh man, again. grab a guitar off the wall real quick. No, I can't because it's too fast <laughs> and then we crunchy run, and run, run. stuff. Here we go. This is System Debug. <laughs> Can you do a cool right, like hat hat flippy thing? Do a hat no, flippy. No, I, I haven't started practicing that yet.